0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. I want to talk today about responding, about responding. And, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about the Christian life and, and you know, what it is that, you know, we do and who we are and the way we're supposed to be, the things that we do, the things that we're not supposed to do. But really, the Christian walk, the Christian life is about response, right? It's like responding to God's word, responding to God's nature. And really, um, we're talking today about relationship with God, Relationship with God, and most of us have an idea of what we think that is. And if I went around the room and I asked you, "What is your relationship with God like?" If I said, "Is it good or bad?" Most of us would be like, "Ah, right." And we 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 might not necessarily say it's bad, but I don't know that any of us would give it a ten. I know I wouldn't give my relationship with God a 10, right? The the fact is, is your relationship with God might be at a two, and someone else's might be at an eight. But if you're in an eight and it's not moving forward, then you're worse off than the two that is moving forward, right? And so the important thing is not that you have it all figured out, but that you're learning to respond, that you're growing, that you're developing in these things. So one of the things that we say, you know, the last, I say, decade or so, there's been this statement about Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. We hear this all the time. And, and though I agree with it, I, I think sometimes people even get, can get kind of religious about that statement, right? And sometimes when someone c- compliments you on being religious, you have a religious attitude about it. Right. They're like, oh, you're just so religious. Oh, oh I'm not religious. I just loved it, right? Have you guys ever seen some? Well, normally someone's complimenting you, it means they admire your faith. They're not, you don't have to straighten them out uh, semantically and get them all to the right place where they need to be. But we say this a lot relationship, but not Religion. And, and we agree with that. But really, what does that mean? What does that mean when we say that Christianity is not a religion? It's a relationship. What do we mean by that? Do we mean that there are no standards? Do we mean that it's just kind of pie in the sky? Do we mean that there's no rules to the faith? I don't think we mean that. I think that we mean that it's not just standards. That it's not just rules, that it's not just a piece of paper or a code that we follow, but actually Christianity is a connection with God. It's a response. It's a response with who God is. It's a response with what God's doing, what God's saying. That's what Christianity is. So what is a relationship with God? I, I, I encourage you, I ask you today, what does your relationship with God Look like that, look like. Just ponder that for a minute. What does your relationship with God look like? Just close your eyes and think about that just for a second. What does my relationship with God look like? You see, your relationship with God is not defined by your experience, it's not defined by your upbringing. It's not necessarily defined, necessarily defined by your theology. Your relationship with God is not defined by your behavior. Don't get the cart before the horse. Behavior comes, but that isn't the primary thing. That should be fruit, right? That's what we call it fruit. It's not defined, your relationship with God is not defined by your credentials, but based upon your continual connection with God. A relationship with God is a continual connection with the Lord. Not an experience, not something that happened to me when I was eight years old, or what mama told me, right? Or the preacher told me, or the the prayer I prayed. No, relationship with God is about the continuation. It's a relationship, It's an exchange. It's an ongoing conversation. If I told you that Leslie and I had a relationship, which we do, and we didn't sleep in the same bed, we didn't talk every day. In fact, we lived in different houses. The only time we ever talked was once a week. We show up together, and I talk, and she listens. It would probably be better off if she talked and I listened. That would be better. But how many know that you might call that a relationship, but it's really not a relationship? There's really no connection there. I could be consistent in that. Or if it is a relationship, it's a really poor one. Right? How many of you would agree with that? And many times we say we have a good relationship with God and we never spend any time connecting with God other than a corporate gathering where there's a lot of people around? What if I told Leslie, the only time I'm ever going to hang out with you is when other people are around? Right? We we go to the movies and we sit in front of it. The only time we ever get together is we go to the movies and sit there for two hours and watch the movie, which we did this week, which is great because you need to do that. And then we left We got in our cars and we went to our separate houses. We would not have a real relationship. We would not have a continual connection. Really, a relationship with God is a response. So I encourage you today, start responding. Start responding, not just weekly, but daily. Start responding to God chasing you. Do you know God is chasing you? God God has a, a, a prize in mind. God is always chasing us. He's always pursuing us. He's always running after us. In fact, I like to think of it as, the, as the, the great epic game of tag. It's like God is chasing us, tag. And he says, come on. And then we chase God and he goes, yes, you got me. Let me tag you. Right? We're not really running away from him. We're running with him. But it's kind of like God is, is tagging us and saying, come on, now, now pursue me. And I'll oh, just sit still and let me pursue you. And just this interaction, this exchange. He is after us. He's after our hearts. So respond. Respond to his chasing. Let him catch you. Right? Let him prod you. The prodding, the convicting that we feel. I know that con- conviction gets a bad rap sometimes. But when God is convicting you, he's inviting you. He's saying, "Come on, come a little closer. You see that? You need to stop doing that because that's kind of screwing up our relationship, right? And it doesn't—it doesn't change his desire to, for you, but it changes your desire for him. Listen, the only thing that we have to do to fix our relationship with God is simply respond to His invitation." Now, sometimes the invitation is for us laying down something very difficult for us to lay down. Sometimes saying yes to God means saying no to something else. Right? Attitudes, thoughts, mindsets. Right? Habits. But really, the only thing that we have to do to fix our relationship with God is respond. So... I want to talk today, three realities about God's desire for relationship. God's desire for relationship, three realities. Number one, God's intention for mankind is intimacy. That's God's intention for you. Right? Not that you would be a rock star, or everybody know your name, or you would end world hunger. Those things might... Be included in his purpose for you But God's intention His original intention for you Is intimacy Now I know you think intimacy You think the bedroom right Right that's what we think But really the word intimacy Comes from this word That where it was I believe it's a Latin word And it's like this You put your hands in front of your face And you go into me see And so the veil's been poured back And it's an invitation to say Come look inside Come look beyond my eyes And what I'm wearing And look into my heart Come in Intimacy, into me, see. So God's intention for you and for I is connection, this intimate relationship. You know, the scriptures are a romance novel about a God who is deeply in love and after the hearts of his people. Um, Look at Genesis, right? The story of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 8. It says then, Now this is Adam and Eve, we know the story, Adam and Eve, they weren't supposed to eat the avocado from the tree, and I didn't say apple, because there's a fruit they weren't supposed to eat, because it wasn't going to be good for them, and the enemy came along and convinced them that it wasn't good for him, was good for them, trying to question what God said, so they, they respond to the enemy, instead of God's standard, right, all life is a response to invitations, right? So they responded to the wrong invitation. They said no to God and yes to the enemy. They ate it. And it, and then they were, they realized that they were naked, remember? They, re, they were like, oh my gosh, I, I'm naked. I feel bashful about being naked. What is that? That shame? That's saying I can't be who I am, right? And so the enemy, that's the enemy's ploy is to expose you, right? I mean, you are always naked, but he wants to come naked, Naked, naked. He, they were always naked, but all of a sudden now they had shame associated to it because of the enemy. That's how he worked. Okay. So it says this, verse 8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord. <laughs> so funny. They hid from the Lord. It's like, okay, hey, I've got an idea. Let's hide from God. <laughs> They hid from the Lord among the trees, but the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Now, God knew where Adam was, but when God was asking this question, he wasn't asking that question for himself. It didn't occur to God that Adam was hiding, right? Nothing ever occurs to God. He wasn't blindsided. He asked the question for Adam, and I don't think he was speaking necessarily of his geographical location, but about the position of his heart. Where are you? And today, God's asking some of you that question, where are you? Where are you? Not because he doesn't know where you're at, but because he wants you to know where you're at. So the other thing about this scripture is it was obviously a pattern. See, Adam and Eve knew what it sounded like when God was walking in the garden. Why? Because they had heard it every day. Because in the cool of the day, they would hang out together. It was a pattern. How do we know it was a pattern? Because Adam knew he was coming. He knew what it sounded like. He knew what time God was coming. And he was ashamed because he did what God told him not to do. Now, understand this. What I love about this story, to me, the greatest thing about this story is that God still showed up. He didn't go, well, you blew it. You're dead to me. He didn't do that. Right? He still showed up. Even when he blew it. Even when he disobeyed. God said, "I still want to be with you, Adam. Where are you?" Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know where you're at. But do you know where you're at? Why are you hiding? God still showed up in the garden. Even after he blew it. Yeah. And then you know what God did about their nakedness? He clothed them. Yeah. He covered their shame and and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but Obviously, it was a pattern. So God's intention for you is relationship. God's desire for you is that you have a connection with him that's ongoing, that's daily, that's consistent. Are you with me? All right. Number two, God's highest value is relationship. His highest value. His highest value is relationship. How do we know that that's God's highest value? Because he sent Jesus, his son. If you, told, if you came to me and you said, I'll give you the winning Powerball ticket for your son Judah. First of all, I'd be insulted that they even thought that, that I would even be willing to sell my son. Wouldn't I? Wouldn't that be insulting? Oh, You, you want my son? You want to buy him with money? ridiculous so I say that to say there is no price worth my son God saw that there was something worth the price of his son God, not, not a man not a person's son who's sinful and, and, and jacked up and messed up people not, not a gift of the son of a person no 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 God said the son of God God placed you at the highest value when he said, I want the relationship back. So I will send Jesus. This is how important it is to me. I will give my son so they can be in relationship with me. The highest value. God's relationship with us is his highest value. It's more important than holy living Holy living will come from it. It's more important than ending world hunger or disease or sickness or any other messed up thing you can think the highest value for God is connection with people. That's his highest value, and that's why he sent Jesus. Not so you could come and say a a little prayer that someone had memorized that said, repeat after me. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a relationship, not some little religious token ceremonial, meaningless thing that you remember, but something you're engaged with. God said, I will let the people who broke the relationship murder my son. I will let the people who broke the relationship with me murder my son so I can restore the relationship that they broke that's unreal. I mean, it's just, it don't make sense. That's how much God values relationship with us. Now, salvation is absolutely not the end. It's the beginning. So it's for salvation, but what is the point of salvation? The point of salvation is that we can be in right relationship with God. So that we can have continual relationship with God, not just so we can be redeemed and God could shine us up and set us on a pedestal and go, look how pretty they are. No, that God could clean us up so we can come to Him and He can say, let's talk. And so many people have a dead religion because all they have is this experience that they had. They said this thing because they have this theology, and here it is. Isn't it pretty? the end, I'll go to church once a week. I'll sin less than I did before. And we call that a relationship. Listen, Jesus paid a lot, a lot for you to have more than that. Again, Genesis 3.21, it says, the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothe them. We I mean, you know that God has solutions before there's ever problems, <laughs> right? We're like, God, I need a solution. He's like, I know, I knew the solution before the problem ever showed up, right? I love Ephesians 1, 4. It says, even before he made the world. Okay, again, because God has got f- this thing called foreknowledge, he he knows the end from the beginning. Even before he made the world, before the cosmos, before that, God loved us and chose us. Yeah, even the way that you acted this week, God loves you. Even the way I acted this week, God loves me. I don't understand. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> really, God? Okay. God loved us and chose us. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us to be in Christ. In Christ, to be holy without fault in his eyes. God chose you to be like Jesus. So respond to what he has for you. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself Through Jesus. He thought about the solution before the problem ever happened. You're like, God wants a relationship with you. And immediately go, but I got this. And I got this and this. And I got this past. And I got all these things I'm embarrassed about. And he's like, he can deal with that. In fact, he already has dealt with that. You just need to respond to his dealing. This is what he... And I love this. It's going to tie us into the next point. This is what he wanted to do. It's what he wanted to do. We kind of act like the Lord was resistant, right? I don't, I'll have to give my son for them. I don't know. I'm not, not really sure. No, no, no. It says, this is what he wanted to do. And then check this out. And it gave him pleasure. That don't make sense to me. It gave God pleasure to send Jesus to die. Why did that bring God pleasure? Because he knew the reward. The reward is a people that would love him back. And that's what he wanted. Cuz he could deal with death. It was painful. It was destructive. But death in God's eyes is temporary. That'll preach. (laughs) Death is temporary. So it gave God great pleasure to send Jesus. Now, I don't think he was like dancing around going, yeah, my son's going to suffer. He's going to become like a person, become vulnerable, and experience death. They're going to humiliate him, embarrass him, destroy his physical body, just kill him. Now, nobody wants, I mean, and we're earthly people. And we're fallen, and we don't want that for our kids But God knew the reward So it gives him pleasure It gave him pleasure So that leads us To third, the third point Is this, is that he enjoys us God enjoys us So if I ask you today Similar to the question I asked earlier If I ask today How does God feel about you? What do you think? How does God feel about you? Is he sad? Is he frustrated? Is he disappointed? Can I tell you the answer to all those questions? Is no. God isn't in heaven with his head in his hands going, look what, I've, look what they've done to my world. He's not. I'm not saying that God doesn't have moments of sadness and that his heart doesn't grieve because it does. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit. But God's emotion towards you is not mostly sad, sorrow, disappointment, frustration. Those things are not mostly there. I'm not saying that God never experiences those emotions because I do think he does. He's an emotional God. He's very connected to us. But the way that God mostly feels about us is he enjoys us. That's why he convicts us of sin. Because he's like, I enjoy you. Would you please stop screwing yourself up? But Lord, I really like it. I know, but it's not good for you. And it's not good for us. So God enjoys you. Listen, God's enjoyment and pleasure over you is the motivation behind everything he does. God is in love with you. God is obsessed with you. God is awake all the time thinking about you. <laughs> he doesn't need sleep. He's just like, I love, him. I love him. I love him. And it's not like, well, it's my cosmic duty to love you. You know, the Bible does say God is love, so I guess I'll have to be that today. No. No. <laughs> Check this out. Because what we do, right, is we, we base God's pleasure over us. We base God's feeling over us based upon our performance. How did I perform for you today, God? Did you like the way I performed? What I would really like if we were really well connected, and then you just perform out of that. Because I'm not looking for workers, I'm looking for lovers. Lovers always work. Right? Okay. Check this out. Mark chapter 3 verse 14. Now it's talking about the disciples. It says that when he he picks the disciples, this is why it says, it says that he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. That they might be with him. What was Jesus' primary focus of ordaining the 12 disciples at this moment? Well, so they could change the world. So they could write the Bible. No, that he might be with them. And that he might send them out to preach. Secondary. The work is secondary. The relationship is primary. He enjoys you. Listen, John 15, verse 14, he calls us friends. He actually calls us friends. We were enemies, now we're friends. Friend. Jesus calls you friend. Friend. Not acquaintance? Not stepchild? Seriously. Friends. He actually calls you a friend. So when we're singing, I am a friend of God, he calls me friend. You ever hear that song? I am a friend of God. <laughs> we're not going to do that next week. <laughs> he calls me friend. Right? Like, I know. It's like, <laughs> feels kind of cheesy, But it's true, right? I mean, God, I, actually actually calls us friends it's crazy really me i mean did jesus did you not see like what i did this week and what was going through my mind did you not see that i call you friend i don't call you a servant servants don't know the master's business i call you friends because you're in the know <laughs> right all right check this out john 1 verse 12 we're actually God's kids. We're his kids. Now, do I ever spank my kids' butt? Yes. Do I ever experience moments of displeasure? Yes. Do I ever have to discipline them? Yes. Do I enjoy disciplining them? No. Sometimes. Aww. Just kidding. Cool. Easy. No. My greatest emotion for my kids is pleasure. I love them. I love to watch them play. I love when they're doing their little things. I love, you know, um, how they're funny and how they're silly, and they have their own little ways about them that's different than the other three children. I love how they're unique and special, and the way I made them. Right, kind of partnered. I partnered with making my children beautiful partnership. I love that. I love them. They're enjoyable. I enjoy my kids. You don't call someone friend, and you don't call someone your kid that you don't enjoy. Can I tell you today that God's greatest purpose for your life is him? God, what is your purpose for my life? Me! I'm the purpose of your life. Okay, yeah, I got that. And apparently not. You all okay? alright Listen, and God listen, God wants enjoyment in the relationship. Enjoyment in joy. That we would be in joy, that we would have a joyful heart in our relationship with God. Right? Most of us kind of got this like get out of hell free card. And we're kind of like, well, I better live right that, where's the joy? You need to enjoy God. You need to be in joy with Him. Um, listen, enjoyment is a core value in the Christian faith. It's a core value. And we we we've made it, we've made it kind of like a back end thing. Oh, joy, yeah, it's important. It's a core, it's a core element of relationship with God. Living in pleasure. That's why it says in first John, this is this is to love God, to obey him. And his commands aren't burdensome. So, yeah, there is obedience, but we don't look at the obedience as, oh, well, it sucks. I can't do that. No, it's an enjoyment. Not a big deal. I get to be in a relationship with God. And this can screw that up. So, I'm good. Right? Okay. So, again, enjoyment is a core value of our walk with Jesus. Uh, What happens is in our walk with Lord is, is what happens is we get stale, right? We get still, Then we get stale and we get stale. We get complacent and we get complacent. We enter into compromise. Why? Because we don't have joy because if you enjoy something, you'll do it until you quit enjoying it. The problem with most people is they've stopped enjoying God. The reason, listen, the reason why you didn't spend time with Jesus this past week, and I'm not like being hard on you today, but listen, the reason why you didn't spend some time with Jesus this past week and you knew you should have to be a good little Christian, right, is because you don't enjoy him. Because you chose to do the things that you enjoy. At the end of the day, that's what we do. We do what we want to do. Well, guess what God wants to do? He wants to spend time with you. That's what he wants. God, what do you want? I want to hang out. Um, Uriah, we, we bought this little toy this week, is Olaf. Y'all know Olaf? And so we have this like bad habit of buying things on clearance that we don't need. I said we yes we need it because it's you know 75% off so we go to target of course and we walk on the end caps you know I, I call it the red ring where you walk into target and you just hit the end caps and then you walk out of the store see if they're giving anything away they're not giving it away it still costs you money we go oh I saved 75% you actually spent 25% is <laughs> what you did and so anyway I do it all the time so uh, we walk in and there's Olaf right and we're like Elise is like all oh, Olaf and you know the whole thing and so there's this Olaf and he's He's a stuffed animal, but he's got a base and wheels and a remote control. He's a remote control Olaf, and you push the buttons on the remote control, and he w- walks around and sings, and his eyes open and he comes alive. You know, it's like Olaf, like from the cartoon, just showed up in your living room, and he's like, "Hello, I like hugs," and he's got like these <laughs> arms that you can bend, and and he does this. So the kids are getting like this kick out of it, you know. And uh, he's moving around, and we get it going, and they're, you know. So Uriah, you guys, our son, he's he's just turned one, and he's like, he's mesmerized. Like, he's trying to grab it. I'm like, you can't touch it, son. You just got to let it do this thing. And he's like, you he want to touch it. So he wakes up on Saturday morning, and so he, he had this, like, it sounds weird, but he had, like, this connection <laughs> with this toy, right? I mean, he really dug it. He thought it was cool. He thought it was, and he enjoyed it. And so the next morning, I'm up and I'm studying and I got my headphones on and I'm sitting there. And Leslie comes and puts him on the floor in the living room. And immediately he crawls over there to the Olaf. And he's on his knees and he's like, ah, ah, ah. Hitting it, trying to get it to react to him. And he's just like laughing. And I'm like, we need to find the remote. Do you remember? He was just like, ah. Get the thing on. You know, he's not really talking yet, and he's trying to do anything he can to get this object to respond to him. And, of course, we got the remote and did it, and he was just, he was so floored. And I was like, that's the kind of enjoyment we need to have with the Lord, that we long for him so much to spend time with him, that we're so excited, that we're like, ah, I don't even know what to say, but ah, would you just speak to me? Would you do something? Can we just interact? And I feel like that's the way our Father is with us sometimes, and we're just kind of dead in the relationship, or we're just kind of like robots, and we're kind of being programmed to go around, and God's like, hey, hey. Will you just come and talk to me? Will you just spend some time with me? Because I really enjoy you. And all we need to do is just say, okay. (laughs) Devotion, let me say this. Devotion and intimacy are two different things. You You can have a quiet time every day with God and still be disconnected. You can. Listen, devotion plus intimacy. But can I tell you this? You can't not have that on a consistent basis and have a relationship with God. Okay, so devotion plus intimacy equals a moving and motivating relationship. Devotion without intimacy is just religious devotion with no heart. So you'll go and you'll do a lot of right things, but you won't enjoy it. (laughs) And you won't have pleasure. You'll just be good. And then you'll become self-righteous. And then you'll become bitter about everyone else that isn't devoted as much as you are. That's the way it happens. But devotion with intimacy is, it's organic. It's just like, wow, I'm committed to it. I'm committed to our meeting, God. I'm committed to our meeting, God. What is, when do you meet with God? When is your meeting time with God? Well, I know. I'm not condemning you this morning. I'm inviting you. So how do we cultivate this intimacy with Jesus? How do, we, how do we do this? I mean, where do I even start? Well, first, understand this, is that all relationships require time. You spell intimacy with God, T-I-M-E. That's how you spell it. That's how I spell relationship with my wife, T-I-M-E. How much time are we together? Not how much time do we have our phones in front of us. Or even watching a movie. How much time are we spending interacting? Jesus said it this way, Matthew. uh, Let me say this today. This is the most important thing in your life. Your devotional life. Your commitment to intimacy with Jesus. Jesus is the most important thing in your life. The most important thing in your life. More important than your family. More important than your job. More important than your hopes and dreams and career. More important than any of that is your time with God. It's more important than anything. Because if that is rich, every area of your life will be rich. Everything rises and falls. Every, when, when people come to me and they're like, I'm struggling with, with depression, I ask them, how much time are you spending with God every day? Oh, not as much as I need to. Obviously. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. Well, it's a chemical thing. Well, maybe if you got with the one who can control the chemicals, maybe he can straighten that out for you. And I'm not saying that there might not be medical conditions because I believe there are, but but what I believe more than that is that God is a healer. Well, you know, I'm just not not satisfied in my marriage. How much time are you spending with Jesus? Oh, not as much as I need to. That's always the answer. Anytime there's ever a crisis of faith and I'm talking to someone, that's always the answer. Not as much as I need to. Can I tell you for every issue of our life, it's, never, it's not as much as I need to. How's your, man, my attitude's been rotten lately. How much time are you spending with Jesus? Well, not as much as I need to. Uh, I think like I prayed on like Tuesday. <laughs> that's right. Last Tuesday. Um, that explains it. Leslie knows. Leslie knows when, when I haven't been in the word and I haven't been praying, she knows. You'll know. You spend time with me, you'll know. It's the core. It's The most important thing in your life is your devotional time with Jesus. Well, you, I, I don't have time. Whatever. You, you, you make time for what's important to you. Tell that to your Netflix account. You don't have time. I love my Netflix account. Tell that to your Xbox. Some of you young men, come on. Say it to Facebook. (laughs) I I have like 30 minutes. (laughs) Two hours later. Can you believe that? I'm going to get in a debate. I don't have time. I don't have time to pray and read my Bible every day. Yeah. So, all those things are fine. But what's most important? Jesus said it this way Matthew 6 when he said to pray he said pray like this our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name thy kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven heaven. give us a day our daily bread it's not weekly bread it's not monthly bread it's not experienced bread it's not bread that you only eat once daily where that comes from is the children of Israel God promised them bread and he said this is the deal you go out every day and you collect bread There's only one day of the week you don't collect bread, and that's on the Sabbath. So the only time you can keep bread is on Saturday, if we're using our system. The only time you can keep bread is on Saturday, and then that will be good for Sunday because I don't want you working on Sunday. But every day, if you try to eat, if you store that bread in a jar and you go tomorrow and try to eat the bread that was for yesterday, it'll be full of maggots. It'll actually become poisonous. So if you're living on yesterday's manna, on yesterday's experience, on yesterday's bread, it's actually poisonous for you. It's actually harmful for you to live on yesterday's experience. Today's, today, your daily, daily, daily bread. How often? Daily. And guess what? Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. So even on Sunday, one night we had a, we had this, and I've shared this with y'all before. We we were experiencing some renewal in our ministry. We were in El Paso, and God was just showing up in powerful ways. We were seeing just, man, this crazy experiences. And we, I led worship one night. We ended up worshiping for like two hours, and we were, people are all over the floor, and God's just moving, and we're all wrecked. And, and so that night, this is when I was single, that night I went, went to bed, and I crawled into bed. I, man, I've been doing this like, service for like three hours with God, with people, and I went over to turn off my, my lamp next to my bed, and God said, what about me? And I was like, whoa, wait a second, God. We just like, he's like, but I want some time with just you and I. And I was like, okay. Turn the light back on, right? So how do we cultivate that intimacy? Number one, we get in the word? We get in the word. God has given you this incredible gift called the Bible. Every one of us can get online and get a free Bible because we live in America. Well, I don't have internet. We'll go to the library. Go to the dollar store. Go somewhere, and get you a Bible. If you need a Bible, you can't afford a Bible. We'll buy you one. But you probably have a smartphone, so download a U version app. I'm going to give you some resources today. David said it this way in Psalm 119. In fact, Psalm 119 is really committed to the Word of God. It's the longest chapter in the Word of God, and it's about the Word of God. <laughs> Pretty important. The Word is important. See here, the longest chapter in the Word is about the Word. The Word became flesh and made. The Word of God is important. Psalm 119, 11, he says that I've hid God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. Paul said it this way, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So you need to familiarize yourself with the scripture. So in order to get into the word, get a plan. Get a Bible reading plan. I've read through the Bible a number of times through the years. I'm going to read through my Bible this year. Some of y'all, that's like crazy. You're like, whoa, oh, that's a big book to read in a year. I mean, I read, like, four novels, and that's bigger than them. I know, it's more important, too. (laughs) Get a plan. Listen, so what I'm doing right now is I'm taking a book of the Bible a month. So right now I've got the book of Ephesians, and I'm just reading through Ephesians. I'm to the point now, I've read it so many times this month, that Ephesians is reading me. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that part. Oh, here it comes, here it comes. (laughs) All these different colored highlights on there. I'm like, oh, I'm going to change the color of that highlight to this color, right? Get in the Word until the Word gets into you. You can download a version Bobble app. We have in our app here at Overflow, because I want to give you guys some tools today. Um, if you guys have our app, what we've done is we've provided inside of our app a little section under the info section called Notes. And so you hit that. I'm sorry, it's not Notes. It's News. And if you click on that, you're going to see we, we update this every week. And it says Prayer App, bobble App. Right there. And so all you have to do is, you, and we'll put one on there for worship later, and you just go to Bible app. And what it'll do is it'll take you to a link to download the version Bible. And they have tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of plans. I only got one. Listen, if you're reading a verse a day, it's better than none. And probably better than most people that call themselves Christians who've got dusty Bibles. And I understand everything's digital now. I read my Bible digitally, have been for years. It's okay. It's not, not something sacred about it's paper. Okay, great. If you if that helps you, great. Just get into the Word. We're not concerned about how you're getting it. If you do have to listen to it on the way to work, get it into it. Get into the Word. So get into your Version. Do a book a month. Do do a, a verse a month. Whatever it takes. Get into the Word until the Word gets into you. Until it becomes you. You know, we see this in Jeremiah, and I, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm, I am now. And so. Jeremiah, God told him, he said, eat the scroll. And he literally ate the scroll. When you eat something, it becomes part of you. And so eat the scroll. Eat it. It's good for you. Don't eat like your phone. (laughs) That would not be good for you. I don't think. And number two is on, on the word is be prepared. So have something. Maybe if you're doing it in your phone, use the notes, notes on your phone or use the notes in the Bible app and take note of what you're reading. Process the word. Don't just read it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Copy it. Paste it on your refrigerator. Get into the word. Why? Because it's God speaking to you. And so when God speaks to you and it's not from words on a page, you know it's him speaking because you have familiarized yourself with the nature of God by reading his word because some of you are like i just never hear god's voice god just never speaks to me how much time are you spending reading scripture oh not very much well how about you familiarize yourself in the scriptures how god speaks so when you're walking and god speaks to you something you're like that sounds like god oh because i know how he speaks see there so number two is prayer oh some of us we're really good at word people i'm word people and, right? I'm a word person. I'm not really much of a prayer person. I'm a word person. You ever heard people? I'm kind of a word person. Naturally, I would, like, read the word. Some people are, like, naturally, they're like, I want to pray. So what's more important? My dad and I had this conversation uh, a couple months ago about about the, what's more important, the word or prayer. Well, I do know this. The disciples didn't have the word. And they changed the world. However, the word walked among them, Jesus, and so they did have the word in a sense, but not like we have it accessible. So I do know that the scriptures are full of people that transformed history that didn't have their Bible, but at the same time, we can really get amiss if we just live lofty like that, right? So we need the word, but we also need prayer. Um, faith comes by hearing, yeah, yeah, but when that was written, he, they didn't have the scripture that we have. Are you guys with me? it was being compiled that's what's in there okay so check this out about Jesus Um, so if you say what's more important prayer or the word yes what's more important prayer or the word yes pray the word that's what you need to do that's what I do Ephesians great one right oh pray the word oh that's good that's good get the word in you and you're praying pretty good get the word and start praying God I thank you for your word oh yeah I'm praying this right now right it's getting good on you. Looks good on you. All right. Um, so, yes. The prayer and the word do not compete, they complement. Okay? That's important for you to understand this. Check us out. Jesus, Luke chapter 5, verse 1 says, But Jesus often, if Jesus needed to pray, you need to pray. <laughs> Jesus often withdrew to a lonely place and prayed. He didn't just pray like in front of the disciples, he did that. But he prayed often in a little lonely place where it was just him. I'm the only one. God's like, yeah, I like it. Right? Okay. Uh, Real quick, a little thing for you guys to kind of develop your prayer life, because some of us, it's really hard, right? So you compile a list. When someone says says that they're going through something, you say, I'm going to pray for you. You're not just saying that to make them feel better. How many times have we done that? Oh, I'm praying for you, brother. Are you? Write it down. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to set a reminder. Siri, remind me at 3 o'clock today to pray for Haley. Three o'clock, boom, Haley. Oh, Lord, I just pray for Haley. You don't have to get all religious. Oh, oh Lord, our Father. Oh, oh, King James language. Here we go. Lord, I prayeth for Haley I pray, God, that you just help her. And No, 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 no. You just go to God like you go to a friend or like you go to your dad and you just say, God, I pray for Haley. I just pray, God, that you help her with this new season in her life and transition. And hey, I, then you send her a message. Hey, I prayed for you just now. just wanting you to know. I just want to encourage you. And then I pray for you. So okay, so when you sell somebody, you can pray for them, pray for them. don't don't be a liar okay um this is a quick little thing, real quick little outline first of all, when you pray p r a y praise and adoration, worship the Lord, repentance, restoration, and refreshing. Just pray, God, I just pray that you align my mind. That's what repentance means. I pray that I will think like you think. Lord, I pray that you restore broken things in my life or other people's life, refreshing. God, I just pray, God, that you blow through me with a refreshing wind, Lord, I pray for anything. God, I pray for my friends, and I pray for my job, and I pray for my children, and then you pray for yourself. Lord, I pray that I can be a man or woman of God. There you go, a little outline for you. There's an app that I just discovered this year because sometimes I need to mix it up a little bit to keep it fresh, right? And so there's this app that I heard about called Abide. And again, the link is in 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 there. You can go to the website to the notes section and get it there. We can text it to you, whatever. But it's called Abide and it's an app. And what it does is it has all these little prayers. It's a free app, or you can do the pay one. Uh, Brooke and I, Brooke's been using it a little bit. I said something about it a while back, and then Brooke started using it. And she said she's really been joining. And it's just like two little two-minute prayers. And it has a little music on there. So you kind of like, oh, you know, whatever, get in your little mode to pray. And then you just hit the play button, and someone on there prays. And I could tell you, like, the first time I used it, I was like, oh, yeah, come on. Bring it, Lord. I'm, like, sitting there. Like, it's, like, 6 in the morning, and I'm sitting in my prayer chair at the house. I'm sitting there, and I was just listening. I'm like, oh, yeah, I just agree. And what, But really what it does is it just starts up my prayer. And then it just kind of gets me in the mood. And then the next thing I know, I'm praying for like 20 minutes. I'm like, gosh, I got to stop. I got to stop and go get the kids ready for school, right? And so the next thing you know, you're like, you're loving your time with Jesus. So that's a little tool there that'll help you guys. And then the third thing is worship. So we have to have our word, we got to have our prayer, and we got to have worship. I've heard people say before, well, worship's not really my thing. Can I tell you today that that's the flesh talking? Worship is your thing, it's your nature to worship, and you are worshiping something. It might not be God, but you are worshiping something. And it's God's nature to be worshiped. So understand that and get into worship. So start playing and listening. What I, I listen, like, I would say, like, if you say, what kind of music do you listen to? I listen to about, it's not because I'm so spiritual. It's just I need the continual refreshing in my life. I need to 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 connect with God more. And so about 90% of the music that I listen to is worship music. Dude, when I was a kid... You guys have no idea how good you have it. Like seriously, this generation has done less with with more than any generation ever. We have all these tools, all these incredible resources to use to connect with God, and we don't use them. It's ridiculous. I had a tape called "The Secret Place" that I that I would go to bed with at night because my prayer time was at night, and I put it in the in the in the cause the Walkman and hope that it didn't run out of batteries. I put it on repeat. There was a little switch on there, not a little thing and you tap a switch and it would flip the tape over inside the Walkman and it was this album called The Secret Place and it went, you are awesome in this place, mighty God you're awesome in this place. I'm a father. It's a Ken Henry, and I'm like, oh my God. I'm mean, just I listening to that every night. And I just begin to worship the Lord. And so what I do now is about 90% because there's so much good quality worship out there, and it's not just like good songs that make you feel good. It's actually stuff that actually sounds good and has good content. And so like this new Jesus Culture album that came out, So, like 90% of what I'm listening to is worship. It's music that calls my heart to be towards God. Not just something I listen to and go, oh, that's really cool, man. That's really cool. It's actually stuff that we're, like, kind it provokes me. And when I'm driving, I'm like, oh yeah, God, I love you. This is so good. Oh, I just joined this song. And like you're singing and you're like, oh, I like driving and like running into people and you don't even care. And um, and so, um, <laughs> so I would just encourage you, if you're not doing any of that, then do a little bit of it in your car, play it in your home you know, um, get, you know, with my kids, I just downloaded this Bethel kids album and I'm playing that with my kids and they love it when we're on the way to school and I'm praying over them and we got the worship going. Why? Because I want to season their spirit to be worshipers. I want them to be engaged with God throughout the day. So I'm setting that pace for them just by filling the atmosphere with stuff that glorifies God. And so do that, buy you some albums. Again, in the notes, we'll have a link for a Spotify list. Um, you know Bob Bethel album, Jesus Culture, Hillsong United, something that's really like not just a song that's about God or a song that's about uh, Christian things, but listen to something that's actually to God, right? Okay, all right, Nathan, you want to come up? Um, what I want to do right now, just as, as we're finishing up, I have several other scriptures. They're in your notes, but Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says this: it "says that you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart." And I love that, that God has this open invitation for us to be with him, to spend time with him. So I encourage you this year to start responding. Start responding. If Listen, if you did it two minutes a day, it'd be better than what you're doing right now if you're not doing anything. And what you're going to find you start doing it two minutes a day is you're going to find out two minutes isn't enough. I need a little bit more. And it might turn into 20 minutes, and that's great. So I hope, listen, I didn't say anything today to condemn you. It's an invitation. It really is. So what I want you to do right now is I just want you to close your eyes. and This is going to be our ministry today. I just want you to just think about Jesus until you sense his pleasure. And this is what I do whenever I'm spending my prayer times in the morning or throughout my day, whenever I'm, I'm really trying to connect with God. You know, one of the, we talked about that. Pleasure is a core value. <laughs> is just right now in this moment, just press into the Lord just a little bit until you sense his pleasure, until you sense his enjoyment.